So I've got some good news and some bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? Bad news first. Okay, only one person said good. Bad news it is. This life that you're living right now, it's going to end. You're not going to live forever on this earth. If you're lucky, you might get 70, 80, maybe 90 years. But someday you're going to die. Ready for the good news? This life that you're living right now is someday going to end. You're not going to live forever on this earth. You will only be here for 70, 80, maybe 90 years if you're lucky. And we Christians, we live in the tension between that being good news and bad news. Right? For that being good news, we've all had days like that where we just think, when am I going to be freed from all of this misunderstanding, this illness, injury, uh, chaos, uncertainty, sin? But of course, we also recognize that this life is a gift. That these bodies we've been given are a precious gift that we need to take care of. That, yeah, that instinct of self-preservation, God put it there. Because we should treasure our lives. We should never uh, even think of ending them prematurely. No, instead, it's something that even as we long for more than this, we say thank you for what we have. But we don't fear death like the rest, or at least we don't have to. The fact of our mortality should not be something that haunts us, but rather we Christians get to see death as a remedy. Because an eternity of imperfection, well, that would be hell. But an eternity of perfection, that's heaven. God could have just condemned us to an eternal life here on this earth. Whoo, that would be hard. But instead, he says, in this earth, you will have the chance, during this life, you will have the opportunity to choose. An eternity with me or an eternity of rejecting me? And it is in these final weeks of every liturgical year that we think of the end times. It's in this month of November that we pray for all the souls that have gone before us. It's during this time that not only the God of nature through the readings is speaking to us of our mortality, but even outside, nature, his great creation, is proclaiming to us Living things die, right? The leaves are falling and we can see not all of us are going to be here forever. So we can think as we read about the end times, about the end of all the world, we think more personally about the end of the world for me. So it's probably going to come first. I mean, I don't know. The Lord might come tomorrow. Please, Lord, come. But he might not. It might be that I draw my last breath before the end of all time. And so I should prepare for that. For us, it doesn't have to be this morbid reflection of, oh man, I'm going to die. Instead, for us, it's, Lord, I have the chance of being with you forever. So death doesn't have to be this thief that steals me away from everything that I've ever loved and cared for. Instead, death is for me a herald saying, you're about to be face to face with the one who knew you best and loved you most. So how do I prepare for when it will come? This is a perfect time to think about it. 
As I mentioned now a couple times already, the readings, they can be a little scary. When Jesus said to his disciples, in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And he's talking about, in figurative language, what it will be like for us when all is fading away. Of course, he's most directly speaking about the end times, but we can think of what's it going to be like for me in my personal end time, in my final moments. Well, we go back to the first reading, where through the prophet Daniel, we read about the great archangel Michael. In my opinion, he is the best-named angel out of all of them, right? And how he wages war, right? That eternal struggle between good and evil. And we think of it in terms of this great struggle about all of humanity and the history of our race. But really, God cares about the little struggle that is you as well. Just as important as the whole thing is, is the particular in you. And so just as St. Michael led uh, the, the, the hosts of angels in battle, so you've been given an angel. So as we reflect on how do we prepare for our own end times, we think about the angels we've been given. When's the last time that we sat down and thought about the fact that our angel is right there with us? That God from all of eternity loved me so much that he gave me an angel to guide me to heaven. Too often we think of our guardian angels as just personal bodyguards, keeping us from accidents and things like that. I guess that's part of it. But their main job is not to keep me from tripping or from getting into a car accident. Their main job is to get me to heaven. And what a glorious gift God gave me in that angel. And so one of the things that I can do to prepare myself for when my end will come is to start having a better relationship now with the angel God gave me. In moments of temptation, of desperation, when we feel abandoned or alone, to realize my angel's there with me. And not only my angel, but the whole communion of saints, those who have gone before Do I spend time getting to know them, reading their stories, reading the words that they wrote, the ways that they prayed, allowing them to mentor me in the ways of God? Because someday I will have the opportunity, God willing to join them in heaven. How much greater if I got to know them here on earth will that be? So first thing that we do in trying to prepare ourselves for when inevitably our end will come is to get to know the angels and the saints. And then we realize that that their entire focus is worship of the Lord, connection and communion with the Lord, and that leads us to the second thing that we can do to prepare. That's to live ourselves in communion with Him through the sacraments. Right? It's glorious that God gave us guaranteed points of contact with Himself in all of the sacraments, and how often is it that we say, oh yeah, someday later, down the road, That's when I'll fully commit myself. Too often we do that with confession. We think maybe later on, right now I'm not ready. Do you know if later on's going to come? It might not. And how sad is it? If when the time finally comes that we're ready, we've lost our ability to speak or to reason. 
How difficult would it be if at that final moment we have to look back on 70 years of sins that we've been carrying year after year, adding to the burden, never giving it to the Lord? How much easier if all we have to look back on is, oh, it's been a couple months, okay, yeah, I'm good. Frequent confession prepares us to be able to face our Lord because every time that we go to confession, we face our Lord. We say to him, this is the state of my heart right now. And he shows us the state of his heart, which is always merciful. And he unburdens us and frees us to continue moving forward. How often do I take advantage of that? Then the final sacrament to talk about in our preparation for our end is anointing of the sick. Too often we think of anointing of the sick as a death sentence. We think, oh, once you've given up all hope, that's when you call in the priest. Like, friends, I'm not the angel of death, okay? I, I, I don't come bringing the end. I'm not this sign that, oh, all hope is lost. No, you call the priest not at the final moments. You call the priest at the first onset of that serious illness, at the moment of diagnosis, at the downturn in health, when someone is placed on hospice, not when hospice has run its course. Because the point of the anointing of the sick is not to just be this buzzer beater, like, oh, at the very last moment I was able to get there and anoint. No, the point of anointing of the sick is for Jesus to be able to accompany someone through their sickness, into their death, and unto eternal life. So don't wait until the final moment to call for yourself for a loved one. Sometimes, though, people still have this idea of, no, 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 I can't call for the priest because that means that I'm going to die. Well, if they still have that fear, say, okay, then the priest won't necessarily come to anoint. He's willing to come even just to pray with you. And I am. I won't force it upon him. But it's important to give them the opportunity to receive that sacrament because they need to be accompanied with Jesus through sickness and into death from death unto eternal life. So that's how we prepare ourselves for our final end. But now, how do we love our brothers and sisters who are undergoing either their final moments or who have already passed on? November is the perfect time to think about this, and so let's do that. Well, first, in those who are nearing death, the greatest act of love that we can do for them is to encourage them to come to Jesus in repentance, to be able to make that confession that maybe they've been putting off for decades and decades, to receive the anointing of the sick, and to be able to experience that peace of Christ in their final moments. But then once someone passes, a great act of love that unfortunately I didn't see all that much of in this parish when I first got here, is to give a funeral mass here in their home, in the church, for those who have passed on. I honestly, when I first came here and I heard that we have about eh, maybe one funeral every month, every two months, I was shocked. I thought that I came to a parish of immortals, like people just don't die here or something like that. What I realized was that instead a lot of people were opting to, you know, just not have the funeral, it's too much trouble. Besides, they wouldn't have necessarily wanted that. Did they say that? No. Sometimes we just, our culture of 
the final moments, our culture of death and dying, it's not a very healthy one anymore. We're so scared of it that when it comes, we don't know what to do. Well, here, I'll tell you what to do. You give a funeral mass and you bury the body. Instead, we, we like to cling. We like to say, no, 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 no. I, I, I need to be close to the remains of my loved one. And I get that. Right? Because it, it just rips our heart out when somebody passes. But the beauty of the Christian faith, right at the very beginning of this homily, we talked about how we don't have to face death as if it had the final say. It is both good news and bad news for us. The reality of being a Christian means that we can let go because we are letting go into the mercy of God. And we know that in the mercy of God, we can grasp onto our loved ones again in the resurrection, in that blessed reunion. And so, with our loved ones, we don't hold them in our houses. We don't make jewelry out of them, which sadly is a trend that is starting. We don't cling, rather we give to the Lord. We give back to the Lord. Because ultimately, our bodies are not our own. Our loved ones' remains, those aren't ours. And really, they weren't even theirs. They were, first of all, God's. And so we listen to God speak through his church as to how we properly care for those who have passed. Give a funeral mass and bury the dead. That's a corporal work of mercy to bury the dead, to give that sign of respect for them and that opportunity for closure for ourselves. Now, sometimes people say, well, I just don't have the money for a big funeral. Do you know how much a funeral mass costs? Zero. Absolutely nothing. Money should never be an obstacle. If people want to give a free will donation, great. If they don't or can't, they can still bury their loved ones. Because that is a sign of Christian faith. Just as the seed is planted in the ground so that new life can spring up, so when we bury our dead, we trust that new life will spring up, that in the resurrection of all things, we will see our loved ones again. And it's that that brings us back to the very first good news that we said at the beginning of this homily. Death doesn't win. It's good news because there's life thereafter. If there weren't the resurrection of Jesus, yeah, it'd be all bad news. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, it is exquisitely good news that we have hope for eternal life. In fact, in the liturgical year, immediately following upon these two weeks of readings about the end times, do you know what season begins? Advent. When we reflect on the coming of Christ, Christ who came to trample death, Christ who came into this land where death reigned and said, death will reign no longer because I will rise from the dead. I will invite you unto life eternal. Death will no longer be a curse but a remedy because you were made for life eternal with the one glorious God to whom belongs all honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>